Hello, I'm Ian Wielden, a senior lecturer at Newcastle University and host of the Cultural Peeps podcast. Today's guest is Vicky Sturz, the Director of Programmes and Collections at the Bose Museum. In our conversation, we talk about Vicky's previous roles and career path, which include volunteering at Tyne and Weir Archives and Museums, her Masters in Art Museum and Gallery Education at Newcastle University, which, through her placement there, led to a role as Education Officer at MIMA in Middlesbrough. Vicky then moved to Baltic Centre for Contemporary Art, where she worked initially as the Schools and Colleges Programmer before taking up the role of Head of Learning and Civic Engagement. This conversation was recorded on site at the Bose Museum in April 2023 and is an edited version of a longer chat. There are links to the various projects and organisations in the podcast notes, so you can follow up on anything you want to know more about there. I'd like to thank Vicky for taking the time to talk to me about her career path so far, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Thanks for joining me today, Vicky. If we could just start off by hearing a little bit about who you are and what you do here at the Bose Museum. I'm Vicky Sturz. I am Director of Programme and Collections at the Bose Museum in Barnard Castle, Durham. It's a new role and I started on January the 9th, 2023. So I've been here three months. Um, my role is something that, that splits across three departments in the museum. So the collections team, which includes curators and conservators, the exhibition team, which is a production development team, and the education team, which is traditionally working with um, schools, communities inside the building and beyond our bricks. Um, so the role is very much thinking about driving the organisation forward. I joined with another two colleagues from SLT and uh, joined a director that took the role in the organisation 10 months ago. So we're all a very new senior leadership team. Um, And our remit is to forge the organisation forward in a co-produced way. So working more with our communities, understanding our communities, responding to their needs and and finding relevance, being a good neighbour within our kind of community of geography and thinking about how we peak curiosity in the collections, tell untold stories, unheard stories, redress the balance within the organisation, within the collection. Um, And the role kind of encompasses those three teams as as the main content driving team in the organisation as um, everything that we do, working with artists inside the building, in the parkland, externally, thinking about how we bring our communities on board um, and thinking about how we elevate different parts of the collection and refit the organisation both physically in terms of gallery refits and metaphorically for the future. What does this look like on a day-to-day basis? Is it is there such <clears> thing <throat> as a typical day for you? Or is... Do you know what? It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think you talk to anyone in the cultural sector and they go, oh, every day is different. And it sounds really cliche, but it absolutely is. So this week, for example, I've been hosting um, a content meeting for all, all of the collection 
uh, curatorial education and exhibition teams um, and thinking about what are our key principles, what are our ambition, how does that fit within our mission, vision and values and what does that look like in terms of a future programme and where we set ourselves on a roadmap for what the Bose Museum will look like in 2092, which would be its 200th birthday, for example. We're custodians for a certain amount of time, so what do we do to put, it, to put us on this road? And that can then look out into the policy so writing the strategy for that taking everything we talked about from the big sheets of paper and the post-its through into writing the policy or the strategy for that through to researching um with the team artists and um artworks um and new commission ideas. Um, it also looks like working with the design company that are leading on our curiosity project, which will be a refit of four gallery spaces and the creation of accessible stores. So thinking about how we do that, it's then meeting with uh, sector peers and trying to get out and about. The Bose is, is often talked about as a hidden gem. Don't want to be hidden. <laughs> we really don't want to be hidden. Um, but also, we want to be part of the sector conversation. And we haven't been for quite a while. So we're hoping this time next year, we've got things to talk about. So we're starting to kind of get out and about. So it looks like that. It also looks like uh, working with the collections team who are doing a massive store moving um, piece of work and, and moving a massive amount of furniture, paintings, taxidermy out from stores onto gallery and then it looks like emails and admin and budgets and finance and firefighting. So is this the kind of work that you imagined that you'd be doing when you were at school? Interesting question. Okay I didn't know this kind of thing existed when I was at school and that that's probably the key part of it. Um, I loved art. I was the art room monitor. Um, obviously. Well, um, what does that include? Well, the art room included. Oh dear, I'm such a geek. Included setting up the art the art room for the for for the afternoon's lessons. So you went in at lunchtime, um, and you set up the paint trays and the clay and the slip and all of this kind of thing ready for the afternoon. You also, crucially, Ian got first sittings at dinner, <laughs> so it, it had it had some benefits. Um, but I, I so I was always really passionate about art, and that took me through school and um, took me to do a art and art history degree uh, BA in Lancaster University, and I, I loved it. I just didn't have, in all honesty, the resilience to be an artist. Right. I think in school, I probably, I knew I would do something creative. I knew I would do something with art. I think I'd flirted with the ideas of a court artist. I mean, oh, where okay. I got that from, who knows? I've obviously seen something in the newspaper. I liked the idea of an architect. Then I went back to a chef. Then, you right. know, yeah. all of the, but all of these things were sort of dibbling around creativity. And it, it just, as I kind of went through my degree and I got towards the end of it, I was like, I haven't got the resilience to kind of do this as a, as a fully creative soul. Actually, yeah. I, I can't back up why I'm doing it and I can't take the rejection or the critique. Um, <laughs> but I love talking about other people's things and taking other people around things. I'd done some tour guiding at university. I'd done kind of some gallery invigilation um, there and it, it, kind of came from that. I actually think I did the um, Art Museum and Gallery Education MA um, at Newcastle. And I actually think it was my mom that found that right. thinking, 
Vicky's doing a little bit of uh, drifting, not quite sure where to funnel right. some of this. And she found that and was like, actually, have you thought of this? Have you done something like this? Have you seen this? And I was like, actually, this sounds amazing. Yeah, this is, this is for me. Um, and I did that course very much because of the placement, because I, need, I, I wanted that kind of two months opportunity to get into the sector because yeah, um, yeah. pre that I'd been volunteering and I think when I came to my interview I'd done I'd done a bit of volunteering and it was very much encouraged it might have even been you I'm not sure it encouraged me to kind of keep going with the volunteering and I did Saturday artist sessions supporting an artist and absolutely loved it loved talking to people loved making next to them loved making sure that the materials were ready we're back to the art room monitor here aren't yeah, we yeah. i'm just basically a, an administrative you art room make, monitor it sounds like you like organizing things oh, i love an organ oh, <laughs> oh dear right i am obsessed with data i love data i love a strategy i love a policy i love um anything that helps you learn more gives you more information to be better informed I like to be informed and I find it a little bit discombobulating when I don't have all the information because I'm a little bit like, well, I'm floating around making a decision without yeah. that. So that organisation, I think, is really is definitely really important for me. Yeah. yeah. So, so just to go back a little bit, so yeah. you, you, you went to Lancaster mm -hmm. and did art and art history. So it was like kind of fine arts. Yeah, like it was practice, yeah, yeah studio practice, um, and I was really into sculpture. So I, I nearly did that programme. Did you? Yeah, I did. My parents lived. Um, just outside Lancaster, yeah, and I, I nearly, nearly went because it had the art history component. That was, was really it. In. That was why I did it because it wasn't just the studio practice, yeah. and I, I loved it, and I loved the art history side. Found it fascinating. Um, they had an amazing technician called Bill who was epic and could just make anything sort of happen, but was also really good at going. Are you sure you want to spend X amount of money on all of that? Have you have you have you discussed this with anyone first? <laughs> and sort of a, a really good sort of. Um, Critical friend, yeah, that I think was really That's often really helpful. The role of technicians, yeah, in those kind absolutely, of, in those programs, yeah, needed. Were you seeing your peers do other things there and getting more of an insight into what the world of being an artist might look and feel like, and thinking this maybe isn't for me? Yeah, very much so. And I, I was seeing them sort of go off and um, apply for commissions and um, apply for funding and. Um, lead other things and I was just like actually this this is so not me and I couldn't quite work out why it wasn't me um so yeah I think there, there was a little bit of sort of floating around and thinking well I've done this I really want to be in this sort of world but this route that I thought was the obvious route is not the one for me yeah. um so yeah the kind of the the museum and gallery side was a sort of a bit of a steer and a, a bit of a, a helpful saviour, I think, in lots of ways, because that I don't know what else I'd do. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I feel like it's, like, baked into my soul a bit. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think I realised that. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm the kind of character that it doesn't matter what you do, it'll baked into my soul. But I, I feel like mm. this is definitely the sector I'm supposed to be in. I can't imagine going off and doing something else now. Do you, do you think there's a structural element to that? aversion to the you know going off to do commissions or so you know being part of an organization mm -hmm. without necessarily knowing it as in being part of like an institution i don't want to put words no, in no. Mouth, but it sounds like you're talking about the need for a certain type of structure in which you can then work rather because i think that going off to be an artist is 
for a lot of people, particularly at an early stage, mm. you're just going from one project to another yeah. and there's a lot of uncertainty and you're not necessarily part of, mm. you might be part of a gang mm. by having studios, but you're not part of a, a gang in terms yeah. of a, a, an organisation. Yeah, I think the organisation is really important for me and I think, yeah, I, I think I do need the institution and it's, it's interesting because moving between organisations and institutions, you do realise how sort of institutionalised you become and yeah. you you sort of filter through that, well, this is the only way to do things. And it, it, it gives you permission to do creative things, mm. but you're also doing it within a certain set of constraints. Yeah. And there's an element of protection there as mm -hmm. well in that you're, you know that there are other people... I think that I think that protection is really interesting. There's also a sense of shared ambition yeah. and shared camaraderie, togetherness, because you're moving hopefully together in the same direction. Um, and I think I also want that. I don't want to be the limb. I want to be part yeah. of something, and that that works for me. Do you, do you think you recognise that then, or was it just what you you were working at what you didn't want? It and was, then carrying on yeah. plugging away. It was very much what I didn't want and what I thought I couldn't do. Right. Rather than... That's quite interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I thought, I don't want to do this because I know I can't and I'll fail at it. And that, that'll have scared me hugely. Right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So your mum found the... My mum found the course, yeah. Our education programme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... Were you doing anything in between university and that? I went pretty much, I was, well, I worked all the way through university, um, just like temping and working in bar and waitressing and stuff. And then did a little bit of kind of temping and then cultural volunteering, but went straight from Lancaster and then started the course in the September. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went straight, I went straight in. And I'd done that with, so I'd gone from school to university then to my MA and I think I, I kind of touched on this in the the cafe downstairs that just that kind of trajectory that sort of rush through to kind of be sorted and be in and get your foot in the door and and then this sort of well then you can settle and then that's all so right. There's a lot of pressure that point though isn't there? Yeah. You know trying to work out because one thing's coming to an end and especially if you've worked out that it isn't what you mm. want to do then the pressure then you know, increases quite massively, doesn't yeah. it? It's like, okay, well, what do I do? Yeah, and you're, you're suddenly an adult in the, the real world thinking, oh, God, what, what do I do? How do I repay my family who've shown this faith in me um, to, you know, help me go off to university? And then how do I make my way in the world? And I'm 21. And I, you know, and you think back and you think to kind of what percentage or what proportion of your life that is. And when we put this pressure on, on young people to kind of decide this path and stay on this path. Yeah. I find that absolutely bonkers. And the idea that we there's still this sort of, to a certain extent, this perpetuated myth that you, you that's your path and then you crack on and then you just, you go down that and you have to make all the decisions in the first, whatever, 20 difficult years of your life. Yeah. When actually that, there isn't one linear route. Mine is quite linear, but that's, not necessarily to say that that's the right one. And yeah, I, I, I'm really, sorry. yeah, I'm, I, I sort of think if I'd maybe understood it not to be linear, would it be different? I don't know. Maybe thinking of the character that I am, it probably wouldn't. Um, 
But I just think that's a massive amount of pressure to put on people to it's decide. It's difficult. I think it yeah. is really difficult for, and trying to, and especially as you say, you said right at the very beginning there, that if you don't have the knowledge of what the different options are, yeah. which this, the sector that we work in has so many different so types of roles yeah. and it moves so quickly that, you know, trying to imagine something mm. that you never come across before. But that's it, isn't it? How do you imagine what you don't know exists? Yeah. You can't. And I think it's fascinating to then be part of career events or to have done creative careers things where you kind of say, actually, do you know that in a museum or a gallery, you need people to raise money, to sort the building, to decide what shows to go on, to deliver tours, to um, pay the budget, to talk to people when they come in. And you, you think about all the plethora of, of uh, to look after objects, to care for things, to make sure everything's clean and, and repaired. Like you, you, I don't think people understand because why would they? Because we, we also kind of don't share this wider. We're kind of, we, we sort of keep it behind. I'm not sure. It's like a sort of mysterious secret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know it existed. So the volunteering side of mm -hmm. it, was that helpful in trying to identify some of this stuff? Yeah, it really was. And it, it was very much education volunteering. And that was that that is always going to be the place that I'm coming from, the people, the people centered yeah. place. Um and it, it was really good because one, it gave me a chance to try something out in a kind of no pressure situation. Um I was filling a gap, I was filling a role, so there was there was a lot of oh, good feeling uh, around around that. Um, but I was getting such a lot from it. I did that every single Saturday for, I think, a year. And I absolutely loved it. And I was building relationships as well. And it set a sort of store of what gallery learning is for me. And that that sort of notion that actually everything is built on relationship. Everything is built on that connection, that mm. reciprocal exchange. And whatever that might be, um, at whatever level and it just sort of set that as a little scaffold to build on um, and it was lovely, lovely because I would see the same I'd see the same families they would return over and over and it was it was really special actually and I felt I felt really great to be part of that we're going back to that notion of being part of something here yeah, aren't we yeah. and because whilst I was a volunteer in that organization the thing I felt part of was that Saturday as it were, yeah. that that sort of that making, creating, talking, connecting together, yeah. um, and that felt special. So yeah, the the volunteering was really brilliant for me to create a basis and create a step to work from for how I saw gallery learning to be. So you you did the art museum gallery education, yeah. MA. Um, did you you did your placement at MIMA? I, I did. Yeah, I did my placement at MIMA, and it was two months. And what I really liked is it was it was everything from the flashy stuff. So I got the opportunity to deliver school sessions. It was a lot of shadowing, and but I got the opportunity to do actual delivery to think about programming a, very, a small space and deciding what we exhibited there, which is yeah. amazing. Developing resources as well as all the gubbins of setting up. Um, researching, doing admin, putting together data lists. And do you know what? I can't thank them enough for actually really creating a good base of saying this wasn't busy work. This was proper, yeah. proper placement work and bit actually a bit of everything. And it really stood me in good stead to understand what 
what the role was, the shiny and the definitely not shiny. And it was really helpful. And I suppose in contrast to when I was thinking about my art practice and I was like, mm, don't like this, like, oh, actually I loved all of it. You know, definitely the gubbins not, you know, are not as, as not as fun, but they're part of it and they make the shiny stuff work. Yeah. And I really got that understanding on the placement. They had um, a Thursday kind of casual role come up to lead what was Mini Mima then, which was an under five session. Um, and then an after school art trolley um, for families. And they'd kind of said, well, you know, do you want to continue to do that? And offered me some casual hours. And I, ha- and I did that um, for a good couple of months, maybe for three months. Um, and then an education officer role came up and I interviewed for that. And I was absolutely chuffed to pieces to get that job because that was my sort of that was a permanent yeah full-time job yeah I was education officer I was there for four for I think up to four years um and it was for anybody and everybody not to 99 it was everything from talks tours workshops events um interpretation resources for everybody from schools and um, kind of that kind of uh, traditional formal education through to um, adults with learning disabilities, people in the custodial settings, families, uh, young people. We went on trips. We wrote amazing um, pieces about all of the exhibiting artists. We, um, I worked at Franklin Prison as part of that. Um, we upped the, the the kind of school numbers. We did some amazing, really fun that I still have, um, kind of paper-based resources to take around the gallery that I loved. And I absolutely, I loved Mima. I had an amazing time. And Claire Pounder, who is still there, was an absolute and is an absolute inspiration. And I think really sort of knocked off some of my edges and helped me to get some different ones knocked off some of my sensitivity like some of my sensitivities and we're a little bit like all right come on what kind of thing what like if something didn't work being set back by it yeah totally so learning that everything is an iterative process and that you're not necessarily going to get it right out the traps yeah and people might give you feedback and then you have to and you have to learn from that and you have to take it and you have to listen and you have to go yeah that's fair if it is fair because for the most part it is well it's it's a really important part especially you know, you, you talked at the very beginning of this about the type of work you're doing now when you talk, you know, in that kind of co-production or mm. co-curatorial stuff. And quite often that process is responsive yeah. and iterative. And you can't necessarily kind of say this is going to be the output of this thing yeah. because that defeats the purpose yeah. of it. So that's really important. It is. Learning how to respond. And yeah. How you, you know, responding to your own yeah, and I think be a bit uncomfortable as well. Like she, um, she was brilliant in, and still is brilliant in so many ways because I, I think she totally understood and totally gets that gallery learning, co-production, however you want to think about that, is messy. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't always go in the direction that you want it to go. It's often unexpected. It's challenging. It brings up conversations that you didn't think you were going to have that are maybe a bit uncomfortable. Um, and brings up outcomes that you maybe wouldn't have wanted for, at the start of something um, and that that's okay. And that kind of learning by doing kind of starting point, I don't think I could have got, got this job and worked with Hannah 
who has a, a who has cool production baked into her soul and is you know design led approach learning by doing risking trying failing knowing we're not going to get all that right i couldn't work with hannah if i hadn't worked with claire pounder right because she i wouldn't have been able to do that I wasn't the person for that i couldn't have taken the the critique or the fail so you were at Mima for you said about four years i think it's four years yeah that. yeah so you then went to Baltic. Yeah, and I was schools and colleges programmer there. Um, and it was interesting because I'd gone from Mima where you were kind of everything to everyone, not to 99, two man is dog, through to the specialism of yeah. schools and colleges. And I loved having that opportunity. My Both my parents are teachers. So the, the, and the school part had been something that I'd really enjoyed at Mima. So that kind of specialism was really, was really, really interesting. Um, and I also managed somebody for the first time, um, which was also brought its own kind of learning curves, I guess. Yeah. Um, but we, we we built that up and kind of looked at lots of head teacher events, created a career events, um, starting to kind of work more bespokely with particular schools and building relationships over years. So going back to that idea of actually how do we kind of build a relationship rather than a drop in, drop out, you do one trip a year. Actually, yeah. what does that look like across three years and how do we build that capital or that connection and that relationship and be part of your rhythm? Um, and yeah, it was it was great. It was really, it was really interesting, but it, it very much had a life, you know, it, it that kind of role has a has a turnover yeah. and it has a it has a ceiling. And I'd kind of reached that and kind of thought, well, I don't want to just have this little bit. I want to have the the rest of it and sort of move up to that that head of role. And that was when, um, as I said before, the the previous head of learning and engagement left Baltic, went to be general manager at Seton Dalva Hall, and I was able to get the interim position to sort of fill a gap. To and it was described to me as steadyship. Just just keep hold keep of it. Hand on the just tiller. keep a hand on the tiller. Just yeah. move in the direction. Represent learning, you know, rep your team, rep learning, and keep your hand on the, the tiller. And after I think I did that for maybe three, four months, and they advertised it out as a new role, so it was learning and civic engagement. And it was very much this how do we work with our communities? How do we be a better neighbour? How do we move beyond our bricks? And what does that look like to find shared purpose and shared um need and then work with communities and artists to develop responses for that and that was kind of the brief around it and i loved it absolutely loved it i love baltic i still do i left before i didn't and i think that's really important and yeah. um, because it is a it is a it is a beast it is an absolute behemoth of a of an organization and it comes with a lot of expectation and a lot you know a big budget in terms of arts council funding not necessarily in terms of spend um but and a lot of expectation it's you know it leads in so many ways biggest funded organization outside of london and i think that comes with a set of things that you have to live up to and i flourished in so many of those things but i notice the, the change of pace, now I'm out of that. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I'm like, let's move a little faster. And also, <laughs> I'm quite grateful for yeah. the, the, the fact that actually I did 10 years at that pace. Well, arguably five, but, you know, yeah. 10 years at that that kind of 
organization and I don't know how sustainable that would have been longer yeah um but yeah so the as part of the head of learning and civic engagement role it started to expand considerably kind of post-pandemic I'd um taken on curating the play-led exhibitions which had been on the back of um, a really successful touring show called The Playground Project in 2016. Yeah. And it had been identified that actually play was such a brilliant strand to open up the organisation to um, encourage families that might non-traditionally visit and um, to think about our local audience, our hyper-local audience, and be of use to people and kind of compete within that cultural leisure market as well and think actually they know what that looks like and we know what play environments look like how do we do that in an artist designed way um and create that as an exhibition and it was such a fabulous challenge and it's one that i want to explore here as well and i Mm -hmm. feel when we go back to that sticker rock and who you are i think play-led approaches are probably in me as well just find it absolutely fascinating that sort of invitation to play that open open-endedness of what being playful can be um and so i was able to kind of work on that strand of exhibitions so we worked with um pester and rossi on infinity pitch which was at the point just a three-week takeover of um the biggest gallery space in baltic so level four and there was so many invitations to invitations to place. There was these inflatables that you could go in and there was costumes to wear, there was things to make, and there was these markers across the uh, across the space. And then also you were invited to change the space from this white cube into this um, riot of colour that was covered in vinyl electric electrical tape. Now let's just note that we probably wouldn't do this now, thinking environmentally and sustainability wise, but that space went from Baltic's pristine white to covered absolutely covered to the point where the assistant director at the time wanted to have a meeting with me about how that would all come up and had i absolutely damaged the floors for future generations (laughs) um there was blood sweat and tears in that three weeks i absolutely promise but it was tens of thousands of visitors and it broke something it 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 was amazing i wanted to ask you about that so that approach that's taken there and then there's quite a few you know, commissions, mm. aren't there, that kind of follow on from that. Mm-hmm. So how how was that with received within by audiences of, mm-hmm. with a particular preconception of what Baltic is or what contemporary art yeah. space should be showing? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because one, it brought new audiences that didn't expect to find anything at Baltic for them. Um, but it, it did also start a conversation with, well, hang on, this is this is just soft play or this is just this. And actually, when I left, we were the fourth play exhibition down and it started to become part of people's regular rhythm and it started to become something they asked for. And they as people still talked about it as soft play, but they started to talk about it as, well, it's the art soft play, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the, oh, well, it's the, the play bit of Baltic or where's the play bit? And that was quite interesting. We did a piece of research because over this time, Baltic's family audience were, uh, moved up to about 45% in 20, uh, 2022, 45% of Baltic's audience was family visitors. Mm. Like that is wild. Um, yeah, I loved it. It almost starts to show that more traditional structures of types of jobs in mm. venues feel potentially outdated where you've yeah. just got, 
you know, a head of learning or a head, you talked about how your job changed and yeah. there was civic engagement in yeah. there, which I think is really interesting, but it's still separate to program in mm -hmm. some ways. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And when you talk about the job that you're doing now, mm -hmm. is that where these boundaries collapse further? I mean, a lot of venues are starting to move yeah. towards these structures that you've been talking about. Yeah. So for me, what that did and what I was really fired up by was actually this sort of mysterious curatorial um hierarchy or ah, kind of thing was um w was stripped away a little bit and actually I, I got to do that yeah and our education team got to lead on that and that was really amazing and the kind of exhibition that we would put on were, were different um but when you've got a building of all of those spaces, then absolutely there's there's metaphorical space for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and for me, it did break some of those. Well, actually, you do this and you do that and you do the other, and and those those very tight sort of again quite linear ways of uh, of kind of working and and siloed zones that yeah. we occupy and own. And I think this role, one of the things that really attracted me to it was that it was placing education, exhibition, collection all together. And one of the things that I'm trying to do here is really foster, uh, this is program and collections. Education, you're not separate, you're part of program and collections. And actually, you know, collections don't view this as a lesser part of what we do. Yeah. This is us together. And how do we cross over and foster that? Team Typically, the the learning role is almost like a, a kind of bridge from whatever has been happening in program to uh -huh. audiences, rather yeah. than the whole thing being yeah. a dialogue. And it, it, it's interesting to hear how that that job here, Bose, has been restructured in that yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is this is coming from the the mission and vision that really Hannah was hired on this kind of centering people yeah. this human-centered approach this this placing people at the heart people above dare i say it, people above object yeah like actually you know this is why we're here you know we are a public building and this is what we're about yeah. and yeah. why we exist so actually if we're not relevant of, of value and of use and we're not piquing curiosity and interest and we're not forward thinking iterative outward facing all of those things what's the point yeah so for me that is definitely the approach that I want to always work in. I don't think I would ever want to go somewhere that has that separate again with, you know, I, I would want to, if I was somewhere that that didn't have that, I would want to encourage that restructure because I think it's, it's that different way of thinking, that more collaborative way of getting people together. And one of the big things that we're trying to do here, and this sounds tiny, but I think it is big, is move the collection team, education team, and exhibition production team into one space so that they have a shared office right. rather than these kind of siloed Silos, spaces yeah. that are all over the organization physically on different floors. Because actually that opportunity to turn around, have that conversation and, you know, nut something out together, work something out, ask the question, it breaks down those barriers much, much more easily I think, um, so I'm really excited to do that. I've also always come from open plan offices, which I know a lot of people don't love. I struggle yeah, with it. Totally, yeah, totally. And I did totally. it at Baltic. I yeah. struggled with it at Baltic. Yeah. yeah. So the, the other stuff I wanted just mm. to ask you about was what kind of other 
outward facing roles yeah. did you have when you or ha- still have when you were, you've been yeah. working? So I was um, so at Baltic, I was chairing the Great Exhibition of the North um, Education Group, I think it was called, or the school the schools group, and that was linked to Great Exhibition of the North, and it was about how do we get every school child in the North to engage with the Great Exhibition. Um, and that was working across all of the, the kind of cultural organisations. But as the, as the steering group, we had representation from TWAM, SAGE, Baltic and NGI who were, were leading that because, as, as the larger organisations that could pull things and throw some money into things. Um, and there were also the larger com- kind of commissioning sites for for Gion. Um, that was really interesting. It had a lot of challenge. And there's a lot of things that I think were tricky within that. You know, the funding structure was wild. Some of the decisioning around that was absolutely crazy. But being able to kind of introduce a lot of schools to the, their first introduction of culture in a big visit was really, really interesting, really worthwhile, I think. Um, I also chaired the NGCV, so Newcastle Gateshead Cultural Venues, um, Learning and Participation Group. And I fell into that because nobody else would do it. And That's I kind of, way, isn't, isn't it, it, Justin? I thought, oh, here we go. Off you go, Vicky. Like, and, but do you know what? Also, it, it's a, it was another great way to network. It was another great way to to get to know people and kind of be again be part be part of something i'm such a joiner i didn't realize i was quite this much of a joiner until we've had this conversation and that was really interesting because it's forged links that i've kept as well um and and also friendships that i've kept and it, it was really great to be in that sort of shared network and to kind of use that as an opportunity yes to try and program things together but actually towards the last couple of years sort of post covid it really became a space where peers colleagues could get together and say how's it going yeah. what does that look like for you how does that feel how what are you doing with this and and unpick some of those things because we're all facing the same challenges, the same successes, the same opportunities, but just knowing that you were all facing the same things made a huge difference because again, we were back to that shared experience and you could draw on someone yeah. else's viewpoint and, and also just be part knowing that someone else is having that same difficult time. There's also it, power in that. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite often the case, isn't it? Because it's a lot of those things that feel like they're, added on to your job mm. and the things that you feel that you have to do and sometimes you, you know I don't know how you feel about it but I know that sometimes you think oh god it's like Wednesday and yeah I've got to do this thing after after work yeah. or whatever it might be it, it turns out that they end up being one of the most useful mm-hmm. because of the networking because you never normally find the time yeah. to do that within yeah. your busy work yeah so just being able to connect with other people yeah find out what's happening just when we're thinking of those networks one of the things that i found the most useful was um being on the the northeast rep for engage yeah um because that took you out of the northeast um it's so as in you were organizing events for uh, cultural partners cultural peers in in the region but also you were then joining um, with your peers across the country and I really valued that because all of those sort of groups that we talked about there 
inevitably, and I find the same in Durham, it's the same faces, it's the same people, it's the same conversations because it's the same humans that get sent out to represent. Um, But being part of that national picture with Engage was really great. Um, And I don't, I'm not Northeast Rep now, but I would definitely encourage people and I still encourage people and I'm just signing us back up here at the Bose Museum to be members of Engage because that the the I took part in their um extend leadership program and that was amazing. I, I can't remember when I did it years ago and I met all of these um kind of cultural peers. We did a project together um there was coaching there was learning again there was a lot of things that I sort of think back to and think mm, you could you could get more out of it now but again such a really interesting scaffold to have and to kind of unpick a little bit of myself and it was the 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 coaching and the mentoring that I found really helpful and it sort of prepared me for then when I had the the kind of management coaching at Baltic it was really great because I'd not come across that kind of relationship before um and it, it was just it was brilliant but just the wider sector knowledge that Engage brings, um, the wider awareness, the outward facing of where your practice as a gallery practitioner or, you know, a sectoral practitioner sits, knowing, getting either validation or ideas or a kick up the bum or critical challenge, any of those things, absolutely brilliant, so needed because we can we can be like little horses in our blinkers, can't we? And because there's so much to do, you just crack on. I think that is the temptation, I think, because you are busy and then you think, you know, I haven't got time to do this other stuff. Whereas it's really unusual, I think, to go along to particularly like an engage event, which I I always felt like I was slightly on the edge of because Mm. I wasn't necessarily, you know, a conventional practitioner. I was a lecturer at university. But I was going along and had a really nice time. Yeah. I think we made, I think the last, last one I went to was pre-pandemic. Yeah. We made, I think we made pots, didn't yes, we? Yes, yeah. yeah. But there's, it's rare that I would walk away from one of those and not think that was really useful mm. because I've heard about this thing that I'll need to go and look at and yeah. kind of it will help my own practice in some yeah. way. So just a quick question about the mentoring, the coaching yeah. element of it. So you, you said that you'd had some... Um, like management coaching. Yeah. So what kind of format did that take? So that, it was across six months, which is an amazing investment from an organisation. Well, maybe it wasn't an amazing investment. Maybe this is basic investment we should be asking well, for. I, I think it should be. Yeah, um, I don't know why I'm going, oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Then, yeah. I, yeah, but I really valued it. Um, it was six months. I met the coach. I think I met the coach seven times across that. Um, and we had maybe three hours each time. So we had a, a decent uh, amount of time and I would go away with um, exercises and things to unpick and things to think about. And they were things that I would test as well. So he would then send some things afterwards and he'd say, oh, Vicky, you talked about this. Um, here's that resource I talked about or here's this um, exercise. And I would do them. They were things that we would do some of the things that we would do in our sessions together and then I would then do them with the team as well and we were again trying to foster that kind of team spirit and that sort of um understanding of each other and the different personalities that existed and I just found that really helpful and I think because I was learning 
and we were then trying to learn together and I wasn't I didn't hide the fact that I was going for coaching and that I'd I'd wanted that and that that had been that was going to be helpful for us as a as yeah. a as a team I think that was really good as well because I was kind of at a position I you know I was the internal candidate so I'd gone from a position where I'd been part of the team to suddenly leading it and I was taking over from somebody who'd been there for such a long time and that's a weird transition to make for the people you're working with and as an individual um yeah and I, so I really I really valued the investment the organization put into that and I see the continuation of that investment um into me as a human within the sector and I I think it's just thinking back it is interesting I shouldn't be surprised and I shouldn't be I'm grateful but I shouldn't be oh Oh, grateful. Because actually, this is the expectation we should have. Yeah, I think so. I mean, not everybody's born with particular management skills. And then when you find yourself moving through your career and you find that there are situations and how to handle things or how to kind of navigate difficult decisions, that that's certainly something that organisations need to invest in if they want those to to work in you know meaningful ways I think this is it and I think we're all such different human beings and I think my um preconception had been well I like to be managed this way so that's how I'll do it it's that treat as you wish to be treated oh it doesn't always work like that does it and that that I was genuinely fairly surprised that that didn't work (laughs) I was like oh missed something here yeah. and that but that was a brilliant realization and I'm glad I had it then um and I yeah yeah we can always do things better but that's good that's good so so what what's next what what does the next few months year look like okay so well we've got big plans we've got big plans so um I talked about the curiosity project and that'll be occupying a lot of our time um so we are refitting um, three of our downstairs galleries, one of our upstairs galleries, and then three vaults, which are currently used as learning spaces hidden away, nobody wants to see learning, um, uh, into accessible stores. So we're trying to put more of our collection out into the world. These will be co-produced. So we're working with Creative Core, which is a Wakefield-based design company, and they do they do it all together. And collaboratively, um, we're working with communities to see, well, actually, what does a curiosity project look like? We've talked about, we've received funding to develop a curiosity gallery, a conversation gallery, a creativity gallery. Um, and these will be our learning spaces. And I put those in sort of those little air quotes because they're not going to be spaces that are sort of hidden away or closed off. There will be spaces that will be activated at all times, whether that's by the general visit at all by a sessional group. Yeah. Um, and they, they're going to centre people within there that idea of being curious what does that look like well, how are we going to be curious what are we doing with our collection in this what conversations is that starting or what conversations are we bringing um, and we're going back to that I don't know the answers to any of these things I remember um sitting in my office and the PR um officer had come and said Vicky what well what is a curiosity gallery and I was like well I don't know this is the exciting part <laughs> this is the thing that we are doing together and this idea of co-production um is huge for the Bose Museum it's a massive it, it's huge for anyone but it it's it's a taking it's the tanker a, a shift, yeah, yes it's, it's taking the tanker and it's turning it around yeah. and 
my aspiration for this and our aspiration together is that this creates a scaffold on to build how we work and how we develop, how we shape relationships, how we nurture relationships um, and how we build our kind of future programming for everything that we do. And I mean by that in terms of our exhibition and display, our education, our collecting strategy even, that this is shaped by our community and our role within that. Um, so that's massive. This is all going to happen by the end of March next year. So I'm going to be rocking backwards and forwards <laughs> for probably the next six months. Yeah. Sounds fabulous. Sounds really exciting. And thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's and been lovely to chat. Yeah, we'll hopefully catch up when yeah. you, maybe this time next year. Yeah, that would be fabulous <laughs> when I'm a shell of a human. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thank Fab. you. Thanks, Ian. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 